In a world of art and entertainment, we often seek deeper meaning and overanalyze the presentation. Director Paul Verhoeven often uses B-movie genre as a vehicle for complex human emotions, social satire, and shocking sex and violence. Is this genius subtext for the artist's intent, or our own imagination looking for cosmic connection where none were intended? We call, we this, call dilemma this dilemma the Verhoeven effect. I'm Conlon. I'm Nathan. And in this first season of the Verhoeven Effect podcast, we are watching network television, specifically police procedural network television, which includes 2014's NCIS New Orleans, 2008's The Mentalist, and 1984's Miami Vice. And as always, we start with NCIS New Orleans. We have season one, episode 18, The List. Original air date, March 24th, 2015, CBS Tuesday. After a sailor is murdered in the champagne room of a strip club, the NCIS team links the murder weapon to two additional unsolved cases and discovers that the names of all three victims appear on a mural in a dilapidated part of town. Also, Brody's ex-fiance pays her a surprise visit. Showrunner Gary Glasberg, written by Lori Arndt. I think it's like a second one that she wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, and directed by Michael Zinberg. Yeah, so this was a pretty run-of-the-mill, but interesting. It had an interesting concept, at least. Yeah, the back end had it kind of interesting, although the, there was a, um, it felt like too little too late at the end of it, because it felt like we're going to, NCIS is going to solve two problems, the poor, <laughs> the poverty and crime in New Orleans, and gay people coming out. <laughs> it's like, no, don't, don't, don't do it. You're not going to solve the problem, NCIS New Orleans. Yeah, they seem to be reaching out for... Um, or at least don't do it in the last five minutes of your episode. If you want the whole episode to be, well, that's fine. But this is a little weird to pull it out at the at the, uh, at the final moments of the episode. <laughs> yeah, they seem to... Um... They talk about Katrina a lot in this uh, in this episode, yes. and 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 they kind of how the federal funding mechanisms worked based on the values of what was destroyed. Like if if there was big businesses or whatever, they got like a lot of federal money, but just the general poor people, like yeah, we're not rebuilding your houses. Watch that thing on HBO, and it's like oh yeah, that's actually actually true. I mean, it sounds like America. Like yeah, they do that. So yeah, because this is like probably the most specifics they get with Katrina in this yeah. episode. Because it's always kind of like vague. Yeah, it's like it's, we talk about the atomic bomb that got dropped on the city, but it's always like in the background. And, and this time it's in the foreground. It's like, yeah, these are the people that were affected. Um, yeah, because basically it's like a like the state government didn't help them. They're left to fend for themselves and the cops don't patrol their area and it doesn't help them. Or if they did, they'd probably arrest them yeah. for various reasons. And so they're just like, OK, well, we'll just uh, take it upon ourselves to solve these problems. It, it was it was an interesting idea. I liked how it developed because initially it looked like, oh, this guy got murdered in a strip club. Turns out, like nobody in the Navy liked him, and he didn't really want to be there. And it's like, yeah, oh, what's a, his story? He was, a, yeah. he was like a pre med student or or a med student. I'm not sure because uh, basically anybody can be a pre med student. <laughs> Although it seemed like this time when they were looking at the body, that Wade might have been sitting on her crime case again. Although she did stand up, but I didn't see what. 
I tried looking at it. I was like, is she sitting on like another chair in there? It's like, no, I think she's sitting on a crime case because maybe sitting on a chair at the crime scene would be a bad idea. Yeah, <laughs> so. it might contaminate the crime scene. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that too, but I didn't say anything. Now, one, th- th- this episode, did it did capture my heart a little bit. Shameless plug for Ford. <laughs> Shameless F-150 plugs <laughs> multiple times. Twice! Twice. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is a good one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I probably had something to do with the building of that truck. Uh, but yeah, I did like that. Yeah, I probably saved the show. Who knows <laughs> how much money did they get for that? Yeah, so the victim was shot. The victim was Peter Carp. Although I like, I recorrected myself several times. Like I thought it was Carp the first time. Then I thought they were saying Carp. And then I just looked up the credits and it was Carp. I don't know if Carp. It's Carp so the K, so it's not the fish. So there's no deep meaning to it. It's just the name they grab. Yeah. I, the, when I kept saying the name, I was like, hmm. <laughs> Is anyone going to make any kind of connection? But they never did. And then there was a special footprint at the scene where they can't determine what's going on there, which I thought that was pretty interesting. What the reveal to that's pretty interesting. Yeah, because the one guy was like, a lot of high end uh, footwear from Europe has flat, like patternless soles. And it's like, oh, we're looking for a killer with like nice Italian <laughs> shoes or something. It turns out to be, oh no, something completely well, yeah, different. Yeah, for a moment there, I thought like this, once they find out that the gun is involved in other murder cases, I thought like, oh, is this going to involve like some affluent person in the government and they're just like hiding his crimes? They see, you know, it's like a bad Dexter or something. Yeah. But that, that's, that's not the case. But yeah. <laughs> that gave you, that gave you, a, that's a little misdirect unto itself. Oh, we also introduced like Brody's on the phone with the uh, current guy she's dating. She seems to be happy about it. And then as she leaves the scene, her ex fiance shows up and then throws everything in turmoil, which is probably the part of the show I care the least about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but, you know, got to give her something to do every once in a while. Because I feel sometimes Brody's the one they like. Like, ah, we don't got anything for you this week. Go search for clues <laughs> while the men do their work. Yeah, sometimes. Not always, but sometimes. Then, like, yeah, that's the thing where because they're exploring a strip club, like LaSalle supposedly knows an embarrassing amount about a strip club. But really, it's just like, yeah, it's you know childishness. Yeah. yeah, I mean that's what they th- that's the kind of, they kind of do is like like oh like shouldn't you be embarrassed by this because I mean that's what the whole Brody thing is like when she starts talking about her ex and or no when she first starts talking about the guy she's dating like she just immediately skips over it. it's like ah, no details yeah <laughs> but they're kind of like but we don't know anything about you yeah but why Brody and LaSalle are kind of bickering at each other playfully like that's what you have. <laughs> No, I got my new ride. <laughs> and yeah, the, the F-150 pops up and he hits a button and it starts the car and they're acting like, that's the first time this ever existed in cars. <laughs> yeah, that was like, the, that was really obvious. I think the last show that had something that obvious was like, remember Fringe? Like yeah. it was just nothing but product placement in the show, which was almost, all right, all right. Fringe was so weird. It was almost like, yeah, I could see this. Yeah. yeah what advertising is always weird and out of place and for a show like fringe why not yeah <laughs> yeah this is weird and out of place it's right in line with fringe <laughs> i think i think that's how uh i think that's how david lynch would start selling all his new movies just incidental product placement in all his movies yeah but it worked it was fun yeah, it's fine. You know, it's, I remember like with 24, they, they did a thing because Ford like sponsored their show. And so I believe like the first episodes for a few seasons were sponsored by Ford. So there was no commercial breaks. Yeah. It was just up front. It said sponsored by Ford and like no commercial breaks. 
Uh, and then, of course, all the good guys had Fords, and all the bad guys had like 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 uh, Japanese cars or something. Yeah, yeah, like international terrorists driving around on a Toyota, you know, Toyota <laughs> Camry or something. It's obvious. Oh, twenty four. No. There was a show that like t- boy, right time, right place. That became like the anthem of our country for years. Yeah, and I thought it was kind of cool, but I sort of tapped out of that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You can only go so far with that. It was a cool concept at the time, but it's like seven seasons, really. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, had a nuclear bomb go off in one episode. It was like, it was like, Jesus Christ! Oh, they are they're just leaping over the shark. It is <laughs> just throwing themselves across, shooting themselves out of a cannon over the shark. Yeah, that was, I always had cool uh, knives in that show. Whoever wrote for that show like loved knives, like. <laughs> they just they had the most expensive knives because i like knives too so i sort of recognize it's like oh, i'll never be able to afford one of those but it's cool to see like the main character using one i think the most blatant advertising ever was the show viper <laughs> oh yeah yeah where it's just built around a car yeah it's like crime fighting dodge viper yeah. <laughs> the show's called viper yeah and it's actually it's not like the, the night rider where you knew it was a modified trans am but they never put that up front it was always just like ah oh, it's night rider but yeah, no, Viper was was weird. I think there was only one season of Viper. Yeah, it didn't, didn't go very long. <laughs> but you can't forget Viper once you've seen Viper. Nope. So they go to interview, like, uh, they find out one of the strippers at the strip club is also either a teacher or a daycare worker. Yeah, it was something weird, like, weirdly <laughs> ironic at the time. Like, yeah, now she, it's normal. She, yeah, because she's like trying to explain things, and she has to be like kind of like coy about it. Also, she was like stripping as like a Native American princess or something. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, it was it was theme day, theme night at the strip club. <laughs> it's always theme night at the strip club. I've never been to a strip club that had anything resembling joy or mirth in it. Nope. <laughs> and I've only been to, and to be a full disclosure here, I've only been to like two in my life, and both times I was like, "Ooh, this is vaguely sad." <laughs> Hey, are you giving tips tonight? It's like, I just spent eight bucks on this beer. No, it's, no. That's immediately off-putting to the strippers. It's like, I'm not going to buy the lady a drink at eight bucks? No, she could buy her own drinks. She's got like $100 stuffed in her brassiere. Yeah, I wasn't a big hit at the strip club, but that's I'm just too practical for that. Carp was in med school, but for some weird reason, the files are missing. That's where I thought it was going to be some weird affluent thing yeah. because like oh they have like the the access to get rid of these files but there's actually no explanation for why the files are missing by the end of the episode oh no there is an explanation because the 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 chief of detect or the detective for the new orleans police department says oh they cut our budget by 30 percent every year then this stuff ever gets filed oh okay that i mean that that was the throwaway explanation is that an adequate explanation yeah. no but it's like oh okay it- but yeah i'm like while wow, these specific files are missing i think that's a bit of a reach but it's it's an explanation so it's yeah. better than nothing yeah they didn't just leave it on the table it's like well, we're <laughs> gonna come up with a reason not a good one but now this is the biggest thing that i don't know what the hell's going on because it gets revealed later on but apparently there, there's two bullets and one entry wound yeah and they try to explain it that it because it, it's an old gun and something and like oh so like a black powder revolver with two bolts put in it, but then the gun reveal at the end is like well, it was like Colt nineteen thirteen pocket yeah. guns or something. And I'm like that wouldn't put two bolts in the same wound. I don't know what the hell this is about. Well, I I think I don't know. I think maybe that that sounds like like a last minute script or or prop yeah. thing, because my as soon as I saw that gun, I was like. 
oh, the double fire gun, it was just firing out of battery because the sears worn down. or You know, that's, of course, yeah. too many YouTube gun channels in my head. Like, that's why that would happen. But <laughs> it wasn't like, it, I, I, it was just like, oh, okay, this guy did it. And he here's the gun he used, whatever. It looks like some old gun. Yeah. Yeah. That's us again being the gun detectives. <laughs> yeah. It's like nobody really cares about that deeply. They said it was a revolver, but it's clearly a Beretta, you know, semi or automatic night. What's the what's the automatic Beretta? Is that like the ninety? Oh, the PF ninety two. Yeah, that was the one the okay. military used. The one the brigadier. But this was like no, a, no, no. The the one that's full auto. The one that has like the little thing on the end. That was oh yeah, like, that's a that's a ninety two also, but it's just full auto. Version. Oh, just modified. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I got Ian. No, oh, he's not here. Okay. We could, he would probably give us <laughs> specific tech breakdowns of what that is and what's different about it. Yeah, even though we're the we're being the gun detectives here, we also have enough knowledge to know that we're probably wrong. Yeah, it's <laughs> like I'm not. I'm just suspicious of it. I'm not completely correct about it. I mean, we've probably done like 500 recorded podcasts in the last decade. They're full of bad information, but <laughs> but that doesn't make us we're unique. Trying our best. Yeah, we're not unique, we're not, and we're not influencing yeah, millions of no. people either. So. And if we had an audience, we'd apologize to them. We don't, yeah. so we don't have to. <laughs> yeah, I would constantly be saying, look, I know I'm wrong, but I'm just going to say this because, you know, I looked it up on the internet. I, and we don't look up things live on the internet unless we know we can cover for the other person. <laughs> yeah, which we always say, yes, talk amongst yourselves, and then you can hear a pen drop. Like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Sebastian. Sebastian, yeah. So he, he, he finds out that the he like reconstructs the bolt and he finds out that the bolt is found in other cases and this is where they just buzzword it's like I think we got a serial killer here. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Boom. It starts blowing up. <laughs> here comes NCIS New Orleans reaching to the outer darkness. Nope, not because we always have thought this throughout the series. It's like, well, yeah. oh, they're going into the uh, you know, the darkness outside, but it's like, no, nah, it always ends up coming back home. Yeah. Because it would be ridiculous if it, I mean, it's not Millennium, it's NCIS <laughs> New Orleans, it's not. It always starts in New Orleans, but it ends in like some major metropolitan area in Europe, and like, this is where the crime led to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, so have you ever heard of the F of the, the, the show FBI? Oh, that's a long time ago, wasn't it? No, no, it's a recent one. I mean, there might have been an old 70s show. Okay, the FBI. no, I haven't. I'm thinking of like Robert Loggia's stuff, but okay, no. No, this is no, so there's a show called it's on CBS. It's called FBI, and then they have a spinoff show, FBI Most Wanted, and then a third sp spinoff show called FBI International. <laughs> okay, so so like when we say me and Nathan don't watch network television, here we are, not even knowing three shows that exist on CBS. Yeah, I mean it's I, I I'm, the facts about me for this show are completely accurate. I am <laughs> completely. I mean. If I didn't have to work, I'd probably be one. What are those people called that don't leave their house? Not hoarders, but uh, <laughs> there's a name for that. Uh, yeah. Hermits? Agrophobia. No. Yeah, people that are just fear no. the outside world. I I'm rapidly becoming that. But no, I'm not really afraid. I'm annoyed by the outside <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I yeah, know so nothing have, about what's going on on network television. Uh, we have Brody meets her ex. Brody sleeps with her ex. Uh, and they weren't married. <laughs> I'm trying to put myself in the mindset of the normal viewers of this show, yeah, and you yeah. know somebody was like, "They're not even married." He's, well, also he's she a was, foreigner. Yeah, <laughs> well, and she was, and she's dating that like psychiatrist guy, and so like now this is you know, I know sometimes I I don't date a lot. Sometimes that seems weird to me, but I know in other 
places where there's a lot of dating going around that is perfectly fine to date two multiple people and have sex with one and not with the other because you're not committed to each other. Yeah, I mean, I know people that live that way, and um, sometimes even after you know, marriage. <laughs> so that's one of those things where, like, it does come off weird to me. Like, oh, she's cheating on him. It's like, well, not really. <laughs> yeah. I have to stop myself and think about it. Now, if she was my girlfriend and she told me, oh, yeah, I was uh, had one last hurrah with the <laughs> that British guy that, like, screwed my life up and left, like, when we were planning our marriage to go for a two-year stint in some foreign country. It's like, oh, worry, okay, well, why don't you give him a phone call because I'm not doing this. Again. What, we're going to get married and this guy's going to come back every three years for to get it, you know you know like spock needing to have sex once every seven years or he explodes it's like i'm not living that way that's not my relationship but uh, but yeah here it's just like she's dating the guy and then yeah yeah and she gets back with her ex but i'm pretty sure the grandmas that watch this would be like oh brody she's a bad one <laughs> that brody she's full of secrets and she doesn't shoot the guy in the chest with the explosives wrapped around him she's also not good at her job <laughs> The karate guy beat her up. Uh, they traced like some of uh, a weird substance from the shoe print to like a uh, an underpass. Yeah, it's a kind of mold that only grows in certain places. Uh, Which is so weird because like, the one guy said, "This is New Orleans. It's a hundred percent humidity all the time. Mold grows everywhere." But somehow <laughs> Sebastian vectored it down for him. And... Yeah, you gotta move the you gotta move the plot along. Yeah, yeah. So there's like it's an underpass with a bunch of homeless people under it and there's like kind of a, a soup kitchen off the side with mama t yep <laughs> and then they find all the names of the victim on the wall and then they find one new one which yeah there's like a mural of like graffiti yeah. and all the names are put in there and they take high high definition pictures of them and they figure out all oh, the handwriting for the names is all different like different yeah. people wrote these names at different times it's like, well, that doesn't sound like the work of one person. And then Brody and LaSalle track down Kevin Heller. Uh, here we get another F-150 advertisement. There's like, I can't see him. And there's like a light on the side mirror that he turns on. It's like, like watch now this. <laughs> and the guy's like, ah! You know. <laughs> and he seems immediately suspicious because he's the last guy on the most recent guy on the list that's not dead. Yeah. And he denies being somewhere and, and you know, he's like, no, I was just going for a walk or whatever. And it, it's like, oh, this is, here comes the misdirect. Cause they always like, yeah, we got him. And it's like, no, this isn't going to be the guy. And he seems, doesn't seem like a, like someone who had raped or killed someone or like some of the stuff these other guys had did. He yeah. just, he's like, he seems like a normal guy. Like this guy works on a construction site or something, you know, it's like that. This, and, and none of the other people had military backgrounds. Just, just the one sailor that got killed at the strip club. Yeah, because that's what got that's NCIS. what got NCIS on it. So. Yeah, I mean, unless they just want to randomly show up at crime scenes and you know, like they did in the last <laughs> episode, like they could do that too, I guess. Steal evidence. <laughs> I, and... <laughs> I, I did find. I, <laughs> I, I, I did see that this episode that Pride is carrying his his service weapon rather than his big revenge weapon. Ah, the revenge gun. Yeah, he's back to normal. And then we have like Pride goes back to talk to Mama T when they kind of suspect that she might be a vigilante killer. Which seemed really uh, unlikely, but yeah. Uh, and then there's like this Spartacus moment where like everybody in the in the the, the food line is like, yeah. I wrote that name. I wrote the name on the wall. I and I just felt slightly embarrassed for <laughs> for the episode, but it's fine. It's fine. Whatever. They're trying to so they're trying to show how this let down. Um, yeah, this betrayed community is is like yeah, we're in this together. 
the hell with you and your federal ID and all that. We don't, yeah, we don't care. We're not going to help you. We're glad he's dead. We hope he's in hell. You know, it's kind of like that. Shit. It's like, yeah, because because the police aren't going to do anything about it. Because that's what Mama T said is like, yeah, I can go yeah. to the police and it's like, well, we, we didn't find anything because this is where his son got beat. To, her son got beat to death outside that nightclub. Yeah. So that's like that was like her her motive. And that's why Keller is being listed as a, uh, a suspect. Because uh, I forget, like, Keller got let off for some reason. Because, like, the uh, the original guy, Carp, like, the reason he got off his rape charge is because she didn't press the issue, but also... Oh, no, it was a different guy. There's one guy, like, hit a kid on a bike. Yeah. And then, like, the device that took the blood alcohol content was faulty, and so he got off of that. Yeah. And so, there's yeah, there's various other reasons where basically, like, the case got dropped, and that's why these people are taking things in their own hand. But it turns out Keller didn't kill her son... Uh, he was at a different club that was up above, and it turned out to be like some spring up uh, gay nightclub. And like the Keller uh, didn't want to out himself, so that's why he was like weirdly protective about like what's going on here and secretive about things. Yeah, which made you immediately come- like feel bad for the character. Like, oh yeah, yeah this guy's like got someone stalking and killing him, and he <laughs> was just trying to have his life, and he has to be secretive because. What do you say? His family? It yeah, was like some of his family know. doesn't wouldn't understand it or something. Yeah. 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 Because I thought there was gonna be something worse. Like this guy was like some kind of pedophile, and that's why he wasn't giving any clues. <laughs> like, oh, there's something worse in the background. It's like, well, okay, it's not that. So. No, I figured he was innocent just by the way they had the character played, portrayed. Is like he doesn't yeah, seem yeah. like a. Well, he's the last one alive. It's like it wouldn't be it wouldn't there wouldn't be a lesson to learn about vigilante justice, nor would it be. Uh, justified to just have like this guy who's obviously guilty survive at the end of the episode yeah but he's he's innocent so but he also gets to live so yeah um it, so it turns out the killer is yeah. boogie down bob boogie down bob who's like a guy who looks like a rasta guy or something yeah he's one of the homeless people underneath the the bridge um then like that's where you find out like why the shoe print was weird is because this guy has like a pair of shoes that are held together by duct tape yeah so that they don't have a normal tread pattern because the shoes don't have tread pattern anymore can you imagine being homeless in new orleans like i said it's like 90 degrees there i think like a 306 days a year or something like that would be a horrible place to be homeless I mean, he wouldn't yeah. get cold and freeze to death, but yeah. So they basically arrest him, and that's kind of the end of the episode. So, well, then the police like make a pitch, like even though they cut our budget every year and our states basically run as a Republican hellhole, um, they don't say that, but you know, Louisiana <laughs> is. They're going to uh, they're going to do better to the for the community. Yeah, and it's like, oh, that's great, and then yeah, it's like, that's the thing you say. That's that's yeah, it's that's. <laughs> That's what makes. You can say a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can you can be like Jesus and say things, but you know, what can you do without money or jobs? You know, that's what can you do? Oh, I mean, although this is a common refrain that like just like the, the police department's been gutted. There's no more funding anymore, and then like you find these police departments that they're basically armed like a military. It's like. <laughs> Who are all these people? <laughs> like, yeah, we can't patrol out of the woodworks. <laughs> we can't patrol the streets anymore, and it's like, oh well, you have an MRAP. That's a half a million dollar like assault vehicle that like is resistant to RPGs. Last time I checked, the the local gangs aren't using RPGs. That's only in movies that that happens. Like, 
Uh, don't awesome get me wrong. If somebody gave them RPGs, they would certainly use them, but probably on other gangs. You know, they also we saw like last summer with the protest where it's just like, oh, there's like ten thousand police out there, yeah. all perfectly shielded up and armed properly. For, well, not necessarily properly, but for what they had, it's like. I thought you had like 12 cops patrolling every city. Where are all these guys coming from? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, these aren't like National Guard guys. Like these people clearly, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the law enforcement, there, there's a, the, a federal and a state and local apparatus to that. So, yeah. These, and there, there are like reserve police officers, but like, come on, you don't have 9,000 of them. <laughs> well, Every, I'll, I'll tell you, I do, I do know this. Every police car you see that, like those super fast all-wheel drive explorers that they all use now. Um, I don't know if you, I'm, you're sure your city has those. Yeah, yeah. Okay, those are like eighty thousand dollars a piece. Like those aren't cheap, and they're not cheap to maintain either. They require constant maintenance because those guys are just balls out in those all the time. And they have yeah. to be. They're designed as police vehicles. Whenever there's like a a, a a vehicle rollover or something, there's always fifteen of those around. It's like, well, let's just do the math here. One, two, three. But it's all, but the story always here. It's underfunded, not enough police. Um, you you not enough, or you have a patrol going out. It's like one person at a time. It's like this seems manufactured. <laughs> if these are your problems and you have no solutions, but suddenly there are solutions. Well, I think there's two things going on there. I think number one, like a lot of the federal money buys the equipment. I think that's why you have like impressive like police equipment. But I think the state and the local and the local cities and stuff, they're responsible for the hiring, the number of people, the pensions, the health insurance, all that. And they do seem to like that. Yeah, they probably have more vehicles than officers. They're running the police department like you'd run like a uh, business. business. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're running it for like efficiency. It's it's like lean policing. We need know? we need a profit. <laughs> and at the end of the year, that says, "Hey, hey, we met and our budget. Let's have a pizza party." Pe- and the more people have in the payroll, the worse it is for our profits. <laughs> it's like, what are we going to tell the stockholders? Like, we're the police. <laughs> yeah, that's what RoboCop was all about. I mean, that was exactly yeah. what the story was. It was yep. That's uh, that was just an '80s version of Robocop. It, sadly, sadly, constantly relevant. Yeah, because we're almost to that point now. It's like they, they we got drones. Like, the, like, the, was it the, I was it Detroit or somebody has drones now, and not like like the kind you buy at the store. Like these are like, oh, these are metal, and and they basically they're autonomous unless you summon them, but they just fly around a crime scene and you give them a general pattern. And it's like, yeah, do you know what those cost? It's but <laughs> Detroit's not paying for that. The federal government is. And yeah. why are they paying for that? Because they want those out in the field because they're doing. They want to see how effective they are so they can, you know. So, get, I mean, is it like those military predator drones, but they just don't put Hellfire missiles on it? No, these are the the helicopter ones. These are like the quadcopters. Okay. Quadcopter, okay. But they have like high definition night vision, FLIR. They're big, heavy. You like two guys carry these damn things. Like they're not like yeah. the you just throw it up in the air. No, these are big. <laughs> And the reason they're out there and the reason the government's giving these out is, is they want to do testing on them so they can you know, figure out how to make it a more effective military weapon. Because if you can <laughs> mount a camera on it, you can mount a gun on it. That's, that's kind of yeah. like the progression. And, but these are, no, these are like, uh, they're there to like take, I mean, it, it, it sounds good. It's like, it's like, well, the officers, if there's a mass crime scene, like there's a shooting or 
something where we got to cover city blocks and we have the officers at the scene. We put the drone up with the night vision. So it's like, who's running away? Where are they going? You know, it, it's like, it's all, you could see how it would help policing, but it's yeah. like, how about we put two more guys in the car <laughs> or, and people that live in that community? Like you don't need a drone when, you know, these guys know who everyone is. And you know, that's, it's, it's like, I know that's all pie in the sky, but like, well, this, yeah. th this running around shooting people, it's like no one's putting up with that anymore. So let's try something. Let's try human for a while instead of Ed 209 crap. That's <laughs> like that. That just turns everyone against you. Yeah, to totally off of what we're talking about, but yeah. Ah, yeah. We're talking about like policing and stuff like that. Welcome to well, the American Greed Factory. We're just wandering around. <laughs> <laughs> well no because it's always a trope in television shows that the police departments are underfunded yeah and we're seeing things that are counter to that it's like oh yeah they're understaffed yeah they're somehow understaffed undertrained, and underfunded but like you like well, look at all this stuff you you have a massive infrastructure that seems to be doing just fine <laughs> yeah we can't afford to like process these rape kits but yeah, you know, like you go out in the garage and there's an abrams tank out there it's like wait a minute <laughs> that's expensive that's really expensive and you got like five guys who's their the only reason they're employed is to maintain this tank or whatever. It's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> it's, this is, and who, and they never bring that shit out either. That's like when you see, yeah. the, have you ever seen these military uh, or these guys that buy these crazy vehicles and like on YouTube, like I have my own, you know, battle or whatever, like troop transport or something. They're not buying it from the army most of the time. They're buying it like a state police surplus auction because they had this thing sitting in a barn since Reagan was president. And they're like, okay, <laughs> we can get rid of it now. We're getting a new one that costs 10 times as much. And, but yeah, I, cause, and, and as voters, like you got to pay, because every time, every two years, uh, you know, when I go vote, they come up with like, okay, we want to raise your property taxes for like the library, the schools, and the police. And I always vote yes on those. Always, every time. It's like, okay, yeah, because it's going to cost me more, but that's what it costs to live here. I want police here and fire, too. I always like the firemen. But, you know, we got the firemen. Remember the, the fill the boot story I told a couple years ago where the guy had the amazing voice, like a singer? Yeah, yeah they're doing yeah. fundraising to, like, buy food for the firehouse. It's like, what country is this? <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, it's like they shouldn't. Firemen and public service people that have dangerous, crazy jobs like that should never have to just directly appeal to the public for funding. <laughs> like, yeah. like, can you give me something? You know, I mean, like if you if the firemen want to raise money for like a kid who has cancer or something, yeah, we put some money in there. No, this is just to like so the guys can have chili. It's like, <laughs> what the hell are we doing in this country? Ah, so now we have the mentalist. <laughs> Season one, episode 18, Russet Potatoes. Now, let um, me ask about this before we get into the specifics of this. Every, why is this name scheme different? Is, is a russet so, potato red? So, yes, I looked this up. So, okay. Because I go, when I always see a russet potato in, in the grocery store, it's a brown potato. Uh-huh. And I looked it up and it's something where it's like a russet potato is like slightly reddish and stuff like that. So russet does have a red connotation to it mm -hmm. so, okay uh, although like like i said every time i go into a story russet potato is brown yeah because red potato red potatoes are a different thing yeah they're called red potatoes yeah yes so. <laughs> but yeah. apparently somewhere in the process of a russet potato it is slightly reddish or maybe in a different country where it originated from maybe it is slightly reddish or or the 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 word russet has like some like French uh, connotation or something like that. 
yeah, I just it kind of threw me because it's like okay, I wanna, I yeah, because every episode so far is has red uh, somewhere in the title, so this is like red ish, yeah, <laughs> or something related to red. So this is like vaguely related to red. March 31st, 2009, CBS Tuesday, a man drags a woman's corpse to the police station, hypnotized to think it's a sack of potatoes. The team looks for a hypnotist. <laughs> Showrunner Bruno Heller, written by Ashley Gable, directed by Noberto Barb. So like these hypnotist episodes, I kind of, <laughs> I, I almost, I mean, I, well, I, yeah, I always immediately discredit them, but this was fun despite the nonsense that was going on. <laughs> Yeah, this made uh, hypnotism. I take with a huge grain of salt yeah. in every, especially this kind of hypnotism. Now, if you want to talk to me about like, uh, you know, uh, MK Ultra, like government, like super drug <laughs> hypnotism, where nine doctors are working on a way to do mind control, okay, that kind of hypnotism I can maybe get more into. But this kind where it's all suggestive and it's like stare at something and now I have your subconscious. It's like, oh, this is nonsense. But this, yeah, this episode <laughs> made hypnotism. An interesting like center point that the episode kind of spun around so you just yeah. had to go along with it you couldn't bring a lot of logic into it because then it like it breaks the spell because like immediately enough you have a dude reciting stuff to himself while dragging a sack yeah uh you have the the cbi unit is like walking in there through they're like jane showing off his cold reading skills and seeing if anybody else can like try to do the same thing because they see a lady in the red dress and like she's having an affair and it's like that's what jane always says to any woman yeah <laughs> um and then the guy drags the bot a bloody body into cbi carl resnick uh but apparently the guy thinks he's dragging a bag of potatoes <laughs> and he's just bringing it to the cops because you know they're hungry um that cbi headquarters is like the worst place to be they got bombs going off people dragging <laughs> corpses into the front door it's like this sounds like an awful place in downtown sacramento yeah, and apparently, yeah, Jane sees that the guy, like, his eyes are kind of dilated slightly, and he's like, he's hypnotized. Though. Yeah. Uh, the victim is Mary Beth Hendricks. Uh, and then we talk about, like, some doctor named Royston Daniel, because he's running some neuro-linguistic programming. Of course. Uh, which I looked it up, and, I mean, I looked at, I just looked at a quick Wikipedia article, and they say it's a pseudoscience uh, that somebody created uh, back in the 70s, but now currently, and apparently it's still around, but it's um, like all the stuff it's based on, um, all the neuroscience and psychology nowadays, it just misaligned with what yeah. it was doing now. So now it's it's, it's just a suicide. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's, it's just an old MK Ultra program from the 70s <laughs> that didn't work. And then like, yeah, so they go to talk to the doctor and then I immediately picked up on like, they, they, take, the, they take the doctor to the back, but then his assistant takes over. Well, I immediately just asked my question is like, did the associate do it? Uh, he did not, but he's like, well, actually he did do it. But anyway, so we'll get to that. Uh, it's Tegler, although I keep writing his name as Keebler because I didn't pick on what pick up on what they actually said. Yeah, he's so, not like the personality of the operation. He's kind of like the straight man. And, you know, immediately you're like, oh, this it must be the crazy doctor that. Yeah, he's the guy who inspires everyone. Well, uh, Tegler seemed like kind of a wirely hinged guy who might be looking for accolades. So it's like, yeah. so that's usually the person that kills people. But yeah, the guy who seems like the straight guy, but it's like, eh, maybe not. Well, I mean, the the doctor just seems like a megalomaniac. Yeah, like taking everybody for like he's just running. He's, he's a con man. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
but like he like pretends to have like science behind it. So Teague learns up seeing uh, Carl, <laughs> he's handcuffed, and then he's just like, "Oh, I never seen him before," and they just sus- you know immediately suspiciously runs away from Lisbon, uh, who then like takes out her set or another pair of handcuffs and like handcuffs his handcuffs to a rail and then runs off to go tackle the guy. Uh, and then they're interviewing him. And then like, he basically just confesses to murdering this woman. Um, but then he's like, yeah, but I didn't do it. I was hypnotized or, uh, or I can't even remember if he believes that or not. If he's just, he's just like switching between modes. You know, it's so early in the episode, the f- fact that Tegler runs away and like, that's like, well, this is going to be a misdirect. Yeah. <laughs> And then I have then there's a bit where like where Rigsby is interviewing Carl, and then I thought there was going to be something there because he does like this snap thing and slap thing. Yeah. And I thought there was going to be some weird thing where Carl did it the whole time, but like he like he hypnotized three people, and then somebody hypnotized him, and then like he's the mastermind. It ends up not being that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of getting vibes as like, oh, okay, because it seemed to it seemed to like why would you focus on him doing that hand gesture unless it'll be important later on. Uh, and that was a misdirect. So. <laughs> but yeah, because uh, Tegler admits to the murder, they basically like, ah, case closed. And you find out that they have celebration pizza after they close a case. Yeah, which I thought was weird. <laughs> None of these people look like they eat pizza ever. <laughs> I thought Rigsby. I bet Rigsby would eat a pizza a night and then just like spend four hours in the gym. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe they do eat it, but they would like flagellate themselves like penitent <laughs> monks in the Middle Ages, uh, you know, at the workout place what do they call those uh, gyms yeah gyms yes <laughs> ah workout play that works <laughs> throw as much as we uh perchance them yeah as much as i um, work out but yeah the jane is suspicious that the case is closed so you know we're you know because we're only like 15 minutes into the episode like, yeah well this has to go someplace else <laughs> yeah it's like, uh, and then they roll credits like that's the weirdest episode of the mentalist <laughs> everyone was under a trance including me <laughs> Uh, we have a bit where Van Pelt picks up Dr. Daniel and then he kind of does like a cold reading on her, but because she's been around Jane enough, she isn't amused or, and basically everything he says is probably true, but she just doesn't get like, um, thrown off by it. Yeah. It's cute that you can do that, but I already work with one psychopath. So (laughs) (laughs) this is enough. Uh, and so they're interviewing the doctor and chosen there interviewing him. And then Rigsby is like, ah, I think I can crack him. And then Rigsby just goes in there and slams his head on the table. <laughs> I actually like that. It's like, well, okay. Yeah. This, yeah. And that's why I immediately knew, oh, oh, Rigsby's hypnotized. Yeah. Because <laughs> this isn't got that kind of show where they just yell at somebody yeah. hard enough until you. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, they don't really do a lot of like physical. Like we're just gonna pound your head into the table, and you know, hope your lawyer doesn't see that. So yeah, Rigsby because, is like, now a Manchurian candidate. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy, like they they ta- they immediately take him out of the room. They're like, "You've just blown the case. Like nothing of this is uh, admissible." And he's like, "Well, what's the problem?" <laughs> and then they take his gun and badge away. And so like this seems like the most appropriate response to something like this when it never happens in any other cop show. <laughs> yeah, or this one. Where, 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 like, just uh, well, Jane like played word salad with him and got the confession. So we're gonna get a get a uh, a warrant. It's like what? (laughs) How does that work? Okay. And then just like prove that Rigsby is like hypnotized. He basically gets him to kiss Van Pelt. (laughs) The kiss like lingers a little too too long. Like, oh, like I guess they're into each other. But then like then Rigsby just like keeps thinking like "Ah, I gotta get out of here. But they keep like kind of like keep delaying him. And then I think, yeah, then I think Jane goes back to 
the Dr. Daniels and like he's like duct taped to a chair. Uh, yeah. And then Lindsay, the the sister of the of the victim, it turns out who works for the doctor, or actually both the sisters work for the doctor. Like it turns out she orchestrated the whole thing because the doctor didn't love her but loved her sister. And she apparently thought her sister was fat or something. And it's like, why did anybody love a fat person? I kind of yeah, I immediately yeah. took offense to that. I was like, "What? Yeah, fat phobia. <laughs> you should um, accept yourself." <laughs> Let's not get into that. And then there's kind of like a fun but very weird hypnotized standoff. <laughs> oh yeah, the hypnotic just, standoff at the playground. Yeah, where, yeah. Like, where everyone's just like popping out of the woodworks with guns while they're on top of a, of a roof. Um, oh yeah okay i thought you were talking about when he was in the when jane was trying to break uh his um, uh rigsby yeah. rigsby's hypnosis by doing like trying to find the trigger like where do i touch him or whatever and yeah. rigsby's like twice which like would you quit yeah. like, just stare at the swing which was, back yeah, and forth yeah, which, which i was wondering if there's like some weird thing where like he was molested as a child like is this what this is getting at because it's gonna be, get very uncomfortable very quick if that's what this is about a very which special episode of the mentalist <laughs> I mean, that's maybe it's a weird while Van Pelt and Rigsby are drawn to each other. So, uh, these things we were left to figure out for ourselves. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, we have like Lindsay takes him up to the roof. They have the doctor tied to a chair. Lindsay has a gun on Jane. And then Jane says something and, and Lisbon pops out, pops out of the darkness and she has the gun on, on, on Lindsay. And then and then the Tegler comes out of another darkness area and puts the gun on on um, Lisbon and then Lisbon puts the gun down and then there is kind of an interesting moment where like they have Lindsay keeps telling because Rigsby's still in her hypnosis and she uh, is telling him that like you know they should go for a swim and they're just like on top of a roof and there's nothing but a street below but they they in the audio track they put like the sound of an ocean and, yeah uh, it's like yeah we should go for a swim so that was pretty nice because I was like. I don't think this building's next to a body of water. Like, it's like, oh yeah, of course it is. <laughs> it's just tricking him. It's very weird, but interesting. So I've never seen that before. It's a different kind of standoff. Yeah. But yeah, then like Jane is able is able to figure out like her special like touch pattern that would re- release Rigsby from his hypnosis and then he immediately takes the gun away from Lindsay and cuffs her and then L- Lisbon takes the gun away from Tegler and cuffs him and and they, they go back to like oh now now it's finally solved and they're like in the break room and rigsby seems to be a fine he's like yeah i don't remember the last two days and they're basically like you don't remember anything it's like no why i do something i do something <laughs> i do something foolish but <laughs> uh, it's basically the whole thing it's like does the, the it ends on this cliff cliffhanger of like does rigsby remember they kissed van pelt or not <laughs> yeah and does van pelt think that uh hypnotism is witchcraft <laughs> well so yeah, the, the yeah. mentalist some cool stuff yeah. going on in that show again a, yeah it was, a, it was a fun weird episode but again like i i hope they don't delve more into it because i just hate every episode that's like that. yeah it's a suspension of disbelief episode where you got to like hold back on it yeah which can be kind of take you out of the moment if you know if you're too rational but if you just write it as an entertainment which is what it's supposed to be then it's yeah. fine I mean, yeah, you kind of get like every fourth episode is going to be like the really serious episode where like they really dig deep. And then all the other three are going to be like, here's kind of a more comedic episode. And here's like a less comedic episode because <laughs> they all have to like be entertaining. So they all have to be kind of comedic. That's just kind of how these shows work. Yeah. 
I mean, like Mentalist is more meant to be comedic than all the other ones. Like that's why it's always kind of weird when NCIS is being comedic because it just doesn't come off right. Yeah. Or here it's a, here it's always like Jane's doing something that's seems to be in opposition of what like uh, of law sometimes, and it's like, and, and and those like kind of mismatches create the comedy. But you can excuse it because, like, he's just a civilian. <laughs> like, the cops are just trying to be cops. And then Jane just, like, throws a wrench in everything. It throws a spanner in the works. <laughs> yeah, a spanner. Uh, so we have our third show, Miami Vice, season one, episode 18, made for each other. Original air date, March 8th, 1985, NBC Friday. Uh, Switek and Zito used two of their favorite informants to set up a transaction with a stolen goods dealer. Showrunner Michael Mann, written by Alan Westbecker, Weisbecker and Dennis Cooper, directed by Rob Cohen. Do you know who Rob Cohen is? Uh, why does that name sound familiar? Um... Well, I found it like some of the first movies he directed, uh, or probably his most famous movies he's directed, um, were like three Ds in a row. He directed the, um, oh, was it something, the the Dragon, the and Lee story? Okay. He directed that, and then after that, he directed Dragonheart, and then after that, he directed um, Daylight, the Sylvester Stallone movie. Oh, okay. Uh, and he's probably most notable for he directed the 2001 uh, Fast and Furious movie, which is the the first one in this current series. Oh, okay. Not like not like the 70s Fast and Furious, but like the modern one. Yeah, the one in 2000 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then he also directed Triple X with Vin Diesel. Oh. Uh, and he also directed that stealth movie. Do you remember that one? Is that the one with uh, the, guy who, like a, the guy who plays... Um, it's like Jamie Foxx. Isn't the and... guy who plays Deadpool in that too? No. Okay, I'm thinking of something but else. It's about like they're like, like they have these stealth jet fires and they have like a completely com- uh, computer one and they're like trying to test them out and then the the uh the completely computerized stealth jet like turns evil oh of course because <laughs> of course it was yeah. yeah it's basically an entire ripoff of a cool anime called macross plus but oh okay uh, <laughs> but oh it was fine for what it was uh it was a, just a big dumb action movie anyways so that's that's rob cohen so he has directed not necessarily good movies but he's like directed movies that like you'll know, be like oh yeah that movie yeah <laughs> he's that guy <laughs> I mean, like that that Fast and Furious franchise is one of the most like successful franchise ever. Uh, he started off; he didn't really like reap the rewards. Although, who knows? He's probably getting checks for those movies. Oh yeah, he's, he is. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, this is probably the most blatantly intentional comedic episode. Yeah, <laughs> this is obviously a, a you know it's a comedy episode. So it's sort of yeah, sort of yeah. I mean, it's just like there's so many things are played for. It's not like the unintentional comedy episodes of the other stuff we have. Like you, you you constantly refer to them as silly shows, where it's like yeah. basically where like the episode didn't, it wasn't serious enough, or just kind of stupid things happened. But like this one, it's like oh, this was written as a comedy. Yeah, this um, is only one of two two or three known episodes where Zito and Switek are the main characters. Yeah, and it starts off with your typically ridiculous. Uh, Miami Vice, like, we're going after organized crime. This time, a counterfeiter named Artie Cross, who's, you know, Crockett and Tubbs are working this guy to, to buy, you know, counterfeit $100 bills. And by the stacks of $100 bills in there, they probably have, like, half a billion dollars in <laughs> counterfeit $100 bills, which in the 1980s would, yeah, that would not go unnoticed. Yeah, so it starts out with Crockett and Tubbs, and, and you know, he's talking, Crockett's saying, yeah, this paper's beautiful, and 
already says something about um like um, something like spectral analysis or whatever yeah and and tubbs knows exactly what that is it's like yeah using yeah. lasers to analyze the particle of you know it's it's like and then crockett's unimpressed by like yeah whatever you know it's it's <laughs> it starts off that way and then zedos and Vitek are like undercover as like old people <laughs> but like off in the distance and then then like the the go word gets sent and then the cops start raiding the place yeah, and this uh, was know, kind of a cool scene, yeah. Yeah, Tubbs and Crockett are like, oh, we don't know what's going on, but immediately Artie's like, they're cops! And then he, like, hits a sprinkler system, and it's like, okay. And then he lights it on fire, it's like, oh, that wasn't water in the sprinkler system. Yeah, that the was sprinkler like system was full of gasoline, which, <laughs> which that much gasoline sprayed in that small a space and throw a lighter into it, they would have been blown clear of the building. <laughs> but, you know, it's 80s TV, yeah, so yeah. it's fun. Uh, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was a cool scene. And like people are they're taking cover behind stacks of cash, just shooting shotguns at each other. So yeah, that was a, while the place is burning down. And then uh, they kind of get everybody out of there. But then like they're like, oh, all the evidence is getting is getting burned up. And then uh, Zito like jumps in there and he thinks he's like dead for a second because like everything collapses. And he just jumps out a side window. And it's like, oh, I got the evidence. Uh, but I burnt my hand. <laughs> Yeah, his hands were burnt up the whole episode. He had bandages on him. And then they're driving home, and Switek and Zito are driving home, and everyone's like, yeah, great job getting the money. You know, you that was a big risk, but now we can put this guy away. And and then they're driving home, and, like, Zito's house is burnt to the ground due to a <laughs> gas explosion. And Switek says it's because he, ke- he kept one of the $100 bills from the counterfeiter just as, like, a souvenir of that mission or whatever. And yeah. And Switek's like, yeah, it's just bad mojo to have that. You know, it's just it's bad <laughs> luck. And then his uh, his mailbox or his his house blows up, and the only thing the fire department saves is his gas bill, which was in his mailbox. <laughs> um, and then uh, uh, Switek and Zito, or Switek is now dating Zito's ex girlfriend. Uh, what was her name again? Darlene. Yeah, Darlene. Who just sounds like this annoying girl from like the bronx or something like she's a yeah. strange lady well when they get back to like because he's gonna like because zito's gonna stay with with switek but when they get to the house like basically all of all of the switek stuff is like thrown out on like the banister or whatever yeah <laughs> they're like oh who's moving in it's like nobody's moving and that's all my stuff because <laughs> like darlene's moving in with him so i mean she's the one moving in but she decides that all his stuff is uh is not appropriate for their their apartment or whatever yeah or was it an apartment or was it a house? I, I think, think it was like a, a condo or something. I don't know. I mean, okay. they have weird houses like that in Florida where it's just a bunch of stuff built together. That doesn't go well. That's a point of contention because uh, Zito's there. Yeah, and Zito <laughs> has no social skills at all. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they go back to the precinct and they put out this name called John C. Castellata. And apparently he's just like some counterfeiter or just or just moving stolen goods. Like that's his big thing. Uh, he's just kind of like the big bad guy in the background. He's not really that important, but uh, then we cut to Bonzo Barry. Yeah. <laughs> Which this is the dude from Perfect Stranger who's yep. not Valky. <laughs> yep. I recognized him. I was like, oh, yeah. That uh, that guy, his, uh, his name is um, oh, Mark Lynn Baker. Yeah. Yeah. But I recognized him right away. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah and he's one of those like, 80s, like, vcr tv guys where they just they just had these crazy advertisements and and it was all this you know iav equipment but but this guy's selling stolen stuff apparently yeah Um, that's how he has such good prices on his tvs yeah 
and uh, and so yes, Zito and Switek are supposed to go and uh, you know pretend to you know just do the vice cop thing. It's like yeah, we got some TVs you want to sell you or whatever. But Bonzo Barry's filming one of these crazy commercials, and one of the girls <laughs> that was in the commercial was a, was a prostitute that Switek and Zito busted, and she fingered him as cops right away. And he's like, okay, get out of here. You know we're not. <laughs> I'm not dealing with a couple of cops. Cause this... I think this is like the first time that a previous perp blows one of their covers. Yeah, which is like the weirdest thing about Miami Vice is like, you know, especially <laughs> with Crockett and Tubbs, all these high-profile things. It's like no one figures out, yeah, it's the dude in the white suits with the Ferrari. He's a cop. <laughs> and the guy with him, he's he's also a cop. They've busted like every major criminal in, in Miami. But no one, see, these guys can always pose as, like, they'll wear a hat or something, and it throws them off. Like, I don't know who these guys are. It's a mystery. But uh, because it's Zito and Switek, you know, of course, yeah. it doesn't work out. Well, it's so. bad luck. It's the bad luck from the money, you yeah, know. Yeah. The Noogie is back, and Noogie's he's married a stripper. Ample Annie <laughs> is her stripper name. I like this bit where she like grabs the guy's cigarette out of his mouth while the lit end is in her mouth, yep. and she like gives it back to the guy, like <laughs> blows like, smoke yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, and then like Zito's like talented. <laughs> yeah, he's so, talking yeah, to Switek. He's like, "See, all the good ones are taken." Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, Noogie's like driving around or being pushed around on a cart with, with like with, like a World War II like machine gunners, like those leather. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wow. Yeah. Like those leather, you know, head wraps with the goggles and he's like da 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 you know, and it's it's a typical, you know, noogie moment. And then we cut to like some guy awkwardly breaking into a house and it's Izzy. He's back. Yep, Izzy's and he's back. stealing birds for some reason. Yeah, he's the weirdest criminal. I also at some point I can't remember where it comes up, but like like Trudy and Gina give Zito like because he had he lost his goldfish in the fire, so they give him a new goldfish. But Yeah. Bears, yeah, they get Zito because their cover's blown. They basically get um, Noogie and Izzy to basically like take their place. Yeah, <laughs> be like the guys that like yeah, we're selling stolen goods. And then Castillo says like they can't use them to do that. Like it's too dangerous. So then they take them off the case. But like they've already made this connection. Like ah, we already sold like the thousand VCRs, but we got a, a cement truck for you. Yeah, and these guys like, also are just still criminals, and they're trying to yeah. make money. Well, they they said the the Castellata guy that they yeah they make a point. We see him early on where he's like this guy's trying to he wasn't able to unload these CD players that he bought from him or was supposed to or he's owed the money uh, for them because like some uh, convention got closed down, and so he's basically like I know where you live and I know what security is at your house. Like if you don't give me the money, I'm gonna kill you basically. Uh, and then here we have this super suspicious thing where like, hey, these guys were going to sell us VCRs. They don't have any more, but now they want to sell us a cement truck. And he's like, I think something's fishy here. And then the guy's like, holy crap, he has a cement truck. Yeah, this guy suddenly, yeah, Costalato becomes like he wants to relive his childhood because his parents could only afford like the wooden cheap trucks. He always wanted the metal ones. And now that he's a big time criminal, he's like, yeah, I want a fire truck and a cement truck. He, he just wants like the whole Tonka collection in real life. So all logic and reason go out the window. And... Uh, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Cause I thought like, Oh, is this guy being sarcastic? It's like, no, it's like, that's hilarious. Yeah. I don't remember this one. I honestly thought like when he started acting that way, he's like, Oh, he's going to just set those guys up and kill them. And that's going to yeah. be the dark ending of this episode. But no, we have a, yeah, a comedic romp where oh, was it Ziggy, because, Izzy, like, they and, drop and off Noogie the truck or... to John, and then John's in there. He's just bouncing up and down and hitting all the levers inside the cement truck. It's hilarious. 
Well, Izzy and Noogie stealing the cement truck like they don't know how to drive it. And he dumps the cement in the convertible. One of the construction workers like just fills the car with cement. (laughs) And it's just like this goofy. They could have had like horns playing like, you know, that kind of weird, you know, slapstick stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, and they knock over a bunch of porta potties. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously intentional comedy. So, But then... Like the one guy Barry, like so, I was like, "Hey, those guys are cops." Well, that's because Swido and Swido, Switek and Zito, like they're they're they they think that Noogie and Izzy are off the case and they're not doing anything yeah. anymore, and so they go lean on Barry. They're like, "Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna set us up with a meeting with him, cops or not, because otherwise, you know, we got all this stolen stuff in here. We're gonna report you on." And so he immediately, as soon as they leave, he calls Costalata while they're selling him the cement trucks. Like, yeah, those guys are cops. And so everyone pulls their guns out and they, they're going to go to Costalata's boat and go out to sea. And you know what that means? It's like, well, s- some of them aren't coming back. Well, I also have a scene where like they, uh, they go back to Switek's house and he basically is like breaks up with Darlene. Cause it's like, it's either me or the job. And he's like, sorry lady, it's the job. <laughs> and then he hands her a pres- a picture of, of like princess Diana. Princess Diane. <laughs> <laughs> hands it to her like, this means this he is a salutes her and walks out. Yeah, this this Princess Diane with her youngest child is now the symbol of the end of our relationship. Like, okay. <laughs> but I think that was just kind of a thing. Like that was something she hung on the wall because she was just a tacky, annoying person. Yeah. You know, I mean, even though they had like embarrassing sex scenes with her and Swiatek, it was it was like, yeah, he's all he's in love with her, but he's also like, I gotta save these two guys that, you know, they're, they're gonna get killed. And she's like, it's either them or me. It's like, well, here's Princess Diana. So <laughs> good luck. And so they go chase down to the boat and like they run and jump out of it. And then just like two guys pop up out of nowhere and they shoot them immediately. They fall off. And you know, the you think you see the It's a weird shootout like, though, because they're yeah. on the back of the boat facing forward. The guys come up from the top and they're shooting crisscross at the guys. Yeah. Like they're shooting across each other, lane of fire. And it's like, huh, that, I wonder, they, they didn't coordinate that right, or I, maybe they just meant to do that because these guys are kind of goof, the goofball detectives. Funnier, yeah, know? yeah. Because there's a lot of these guys, some of these side characters in Miami Vice, there's a lot of gun shooting like this. Where, yeah. You know, it's like they're they're shooting blanks, so they're just simulating like this report that a, and recoil that a 9 millimeter does not have. <laughs> so, yeah, there, I, there was goofball stuff in this. But, like, you, you saw the interior before, and it's like, oh, they're going to shoot izzy and and noogie like for sure and the other guy he's just thrown in with it it's like you got me in this and then when they pop in there like a like a basically tied up noogie and izzy have somehow churned the tables and they have the gun on john on costalata somehow and it's like uh, oh noogie and izzy are criminals so it's like yeah yeah, maybe they could have and Izzy's giving a speech about something about like uh you got your leaders yeah you got your reagan and your um Somebody else. I, Lee Iacocca. Lee Iacocca, yeah. yeah. That was Miami Vice. That was Miami Vice. Yeah, the, this is kind of like what the alt. I mean, it, it's not really how I would classify as one of my typical like silly sods because those usually involve Crockett and Tubbs with a bunch of harebrained stuff going on, where this was yeah. more written like that way. It yeah, was kind of it was intentional comedy. It was fine. It was fun. It kind of yeah. you kind of takes a break from all the darkness. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. And I'm sure well, yeah, Don I mean, Johnson what, and Philip Michael Thomas got to film another episode while this was going yeah. on. Well, I mean, it's like, that's why it starts off as like just a regular ass Miami Vice episode. It was a bunch of gunfire, exciting, you know, 
things are on fire and stuff and then like it just turns into this comedy episode so that was the baton handoff is when when uh zito goes to get the cash like that's the handoff it's like now it's a Switek and zito episode. yeah yeah i think there's only like three more of these and one of them's i think the last one's very sad because um, not to spoil or anything but you know the Switek and zito pair like one of them doesn't survive the miami (laughs) vice arc and because of something weird i probably know who (laughs) yeah because if you don't know there is a recent Miami Vice thing with the original cast called Miami Vice like miniseries or something like that. Yeah. Or miniseries returns. And it's not an actual official Miami Vice thing. It's like this guy or somebody basically came up with ideas for episodes and shot trailers of the pro- proposed episodes okay and it, and it has the original cast in it it's just it basically no speaking lines because it's like more like a music video that's a trailer for the episode that they didn't shoot but it has like it has john johnson and edward james almost and like yeah all the all the original cast is in it and then the guy who plays uh Switek is it like in a quick episode where he gets shot in the throat <laughs> so <laughs> yep you know the good guys are all in their you know 60s and 70s but yeah it, it's on youtube there's like trailers for it but yeah it exists out there i forget it's called like miami vice reunion or something like that but yeah um, but yeah it's not an official thing but it makes you think like it's gonna be yeah it's, it's it looks good uh most of the music in this mo- uh, se- uh show was elvis <laughs> they didn't have a lot of the cool techno music really it's, it's no. a little bit but not much yeah, because what I thought I wrote down what it starts with, but the what's the song in the beginning? Oh, let me look up music. It's like a rockabilly song or something like that. Why did I forget what it was? It's money. That's what I want. Oh yeah, that's what I want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the opening that scene sense. with Crockett and Tubbs. But after that, yeah. it's Elvis, Elvis, yeah. and then um, there's well, because a... like the that that's um, Switex thing is he's a big Elvis fan. Yeah, because his big Elvis cutout got thrown out on the on the stairs because Darlene didn't want in. And of course that's the only thing they bring back. And there's that argument that like Switek and Zito are having. And then he just looks at the television. She's like, Oh, Elvis is on. And there's some raptured by like some old recording of Elvis on TV. Yeah. Cause Switek was like getting ready to have sex. And then he goes out yeah. and uh, Zito's got the TV up way too loud. And he just sits down. Oh, cool. Elvis, turn it up. It's like, wow. Okay. <laughs> that's you're really an Elvis fan at that point. <laughs> So yeah, this was the uh, this was a you know a rare episode of Miami Vice where it's you know kind of they have done there are other episodes coming up in, in other seasons where it's it's almost like uh, Sunny and Crockett or 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 Sunny and Tub or Crockett, Crockett and, and Tub yeah okay Crockett and Tubbs are like side characters to other characters doing stuff but that's kind of those yeah. weird like we're gonna tell it from the story of the guest character or something like they do things like that. But this well, is... there's something. Well, there's something I'm wondering, and this could just be like a um, they entered a number wrong. But if you look at like who's in what episodes, it's like Zito and Switek are technically in all the episodes plus one, but everybody else is in just the amount of episodes. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know about so that. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that might be a mistake, but yeah, probably is. Because <laughs> it's like it's i can't remember how many episodes in maybe well it's five seasons so maybe about 100 episodes so it's like zito and zwitek are listed at like 101 episodes and everybody else is like 100 like tubs and crockett are like 100 episodes but that's probably just a misprint or something so 
Yeah, there could be. Or, or there could have been a whole episode that didn't involve Tubbs and Crockett, but did involve Zito and Swyte. Yeah, as I remember, there's there's three of these, and I think the last one's kind of sad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I believe that's the one, but yeah, this. So there could. But be... I figured, like, if you had a Zito and Swyte episode, you would reverse it, and just Tubbs and Crockett would be in the background. But if that didn't even involve Tubbs and Crockett in the background, that yeah, they they had a lot of popular characters and good writing enough on this show where they didn't have to have like you know or they oh they may maybe like fishing a spinoff that never was or something you know there's always <laughs> there's always you never know in the 80s what they were thinking <laughs> a lot of cocaine yeah. driving these productions yeah 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 there was there wasn't any spinoffs of my advice was there no uh, okay it's too expensive yeah i guess yeah a very expensive show but yeah, it was around the time he had a bunch of spinoffs. But I'm, not, I'm like, what? Like, when did All in the Family? That was like a '70s show, right? Yeah, yeah. So was that like late '70s or just? Or... I think that was late '70s into the '80s. Because okay, I yeah. know when like, that show, like the culture, sort of changed around it. Yeah, and they were like, well, so- like All in the Family, and then like, when is it? Sanford and Son, technically a, a spinoff yes, of that, and then you have the is. Jeffersons and. Uh, a bunch of them. No, I'm, I'm sorry. All in the family was 71 to 79. It never made it huh. into the 80s. Yeah, because I, I I know of it, but I think I've only saw it because they had it on like Nick at Night or something. But yeah, there were two spinoffs of All in the Family. Um, Maud, which was yeah. based on Edith's cousin, B. Arthur, and then Good Times. Uh, was well, the, another... Jeff- the Jeffersons as well. Yeah, the Jeffersons also. These are just the ones in order because a lot of these didn't last more than a season. Yeah. Uh, Je- and then the Jeffersons was actually, I think they had more episodes of the Jeffersons <laughs> than they did. Uh, uh, and then there was like a, uh, oh, it's like Archie's Place. I think it was one season. That was Yeah, that was when he had the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because that was, uh, oh, it had for four seasons. But it was just him like giving, it was the great performance of him delivering his dialogue just in a bar. Carol O'Connor. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like this, this, this era of TV was not, um, adverse to spinoffs. No. (laughs) Yeah. So when you have strange episodes, it's always like, well, were they, uh, were they uh, fishing? You know, you always wonder like, were they fishing a spinoff? Yeah. This it's like, you know, we're, we're building a pilot within our show. So it's definitely budgeted. (laughs) Anyways, if you like what you heard and how couldn't you, you can find us at anchor.fn slash Verhoeven effect. Way I like Mario Spell Verhoven is Verho V E R H O, and then even at the end, you can rate our podcast on the platform, your podcast platform of choice. You can race whatever you want, but really, if you give us five stars or whatever, that's the thing. That's the only thing that the algorithm listens to. So remember, you control the algorithm. The algorithm doesn't control you. Uh, and if asked for you to write something, just wrote. I listen to this podcast at work, so you don't have to think of it. I already give you the line. Yeah. Uh, and then we get like you know two of them, and they're like, "Oh, a computer must have written this." <laughs> or he's in a uh, a Malaysian Twitter mill. <laughs> yeah, I spent five hundred thousand dollars on a yeah a bot farm. Uh. <laughs> also at uh, Anchor.fm/slash/FerroEffect, we have listener support there, where you can support this podcast at three tiers of. 99 cents, 4.99 or 9.99 it's a monthly stipend and you know if you if you support us we'll just do more faster. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh you can find us at Twitter at, at @verhoven effect on Facebook at @verhoven effect. Uh we also have another podcast called American Greed Factory. Uh we have American Greed Factory on YouTube. I think you can just search American Greed Factory and 
you know, I'll probably give you episodes of American Greed, the MSNBC show, but which was also very good. <laughs> uh, you can put in parentheses American Greed Factory, and you'll find ours. I think technically I have a side channel by accident, where, but they're both like I don't know. It's it, you look for us, anyways. Uh, we're in episode four hundred and forty fifty something by now. So. Oh yeah, something like that. Uh, I had it somewhere, but oh, anyways, uh, uh, you can find unedited uh videos on there of American Greed Factory and Fairhoven Effect. Produce them live so you can see them if you want to see them live. We use naughty words on the live one. We try not <laughs> to, but sometimes we do. Uh I mean I'm gonna have to go through it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> I edit out all the ums and stuff. So it seems quicker and we seem smarter. Yeah. Uh guys are so fast on their feet, so nimble. But the fat one has a mouth like a truck driver. I think there's like two episodes in a row. I didn't swear. I was kind of proud of myself. And then I just said like, then I used, then I said mother. Uh, now I have to, now I have to remember to edit this part. Cause I almost never, when I get to this end part, I almost never like, uh, critically go over it for like swearing. It's like, I oh, we never swear in the end. I'm just reading off this thing. It's like, now I have to edit. <laughs> yeah. I, I do it. So as soon as I do it, I realize, Oh, I shouldn't have said that, but you know, it's not really that much editing because I'm going to have to go through it anyway. So uh, we have t-shirts at below the slash greed factory. Uh, we have two different kinds. It's, it's the American greed factory logo, uh, a negative and a positive. So like a white shirt with a black logo. And then I have a black shirt with a white logo. And then I'm so working on the American greed factory or the Verhoeven effect podcast t-shirt. Cause I have an idea, but ideas are cheap. It's going to be something. Do you remember that old VHS logo? It'd be yes. on the side and it says VHS and it was kind of had that kind of like um Venetian blinds like cut out of the VHS. Hmm. Now that one I'd have to look at, but yeah, it sounds familiar. Um, so I'm gonna try to do something like it's like that, and then I'm gonna add something. Um, it's like an I don't know how to call it effect, but it's like color separation. It's like they do it a lot in video games now where it's like your character gets hit and then it's like the red greens and blues start to separate from the image. Oh, okay. I want to do something like that, but I am not that talented with uh, Adobe illustrator and I'm not even sure if it can do it, but uh, cause I, for the logos, I work on Adobe illustrator because they use um, linear graphics or something. It's it basically uh, raster graphics. There's raster graphics and there's this other ones like linear graphics where raster graphics, the, farther you zoom in on it the more it just becomes a bunch of squares uh, okay. whereas li with linear graphics the more it, it like it basically redraws the image so no matter what size you make it it looks exactly the same which makes it more tricky when you work with it because you don't have all the tools you would have like in photoshop oh okay uh, to work with it so it's more simplified but it is for uh graphics design work it's uh, better on your back end <laughs> anyways that's what i'm working on oh i can also find me at twitch.tv slash greed factory right now in the morning i play puzzle games called puzzles and podcasts where i listen to podcasts that i'm listening to and i play puzzle games it's the kind of low effort content that everybody can get by <laughs> unless you don't like wrestling because i end up listening to a lot of wrestling podcasts <laughs> <laughs> so for the very Ver uh, effect podcast i'm colin and i'm nathan goodbye america